gospel freedom. You know, when you release a bird from a cage and you bring it into your room, you know, the bird thinks it's free, but still it's not free because it is confined within the four walls. But if you open the window and you let the bird fly into the open, what happens? That is real freedom. You know, freedom is a precious and costly outcome of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet so often it is overlooked. It is so precious, but still it's overlooked. It's so often it is misunderstood. And it is so often it is abused. So it's important for us to understand this freedom. The quality of freedom that the gospel offers is breathtaking. It is awesome. It is wondrous. It is beyond our understanding. That is the quality of freedom that Jesus Christ has earned and given to each one of us. The more we understand this freedom, you know, the more we'll be able to rejoice and live the life that Christ has called us to live. You know, Jesus Christ began this, his ministry with these verses. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the bl blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, let me ask you this question. Who were the prisoners and the blind? Who were the prisoners and the blind? Is it not me? I was that prisoner. I was blind. And he came, he came to set me free. The blind, we sang that song, the blind, they now they see. He came to set me free. And he came to open my eyes. You know, Col Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves. Jesus Christ came, the very mission of Jesus. If you were to ask, what is the mission of Jesus? The mission of Jesus is to destroy the works of the devil and to set his children free. If we are his children, that means he has brought us out from the bird's cage, bird cage, and not that he has brought us into that room. He has set us free. That is the freedom that Christ has granted to each one of us. Our freedom has come at a huge cost. We were set free with the precious blood of Jesus. 
Amen. Precious blood of Jesus. A lamp without blemish or defect. A lamp without blemish or defect. For freedom, Jesus Christ freed us. Everything about the gospel is freedom. The whole mission of Jesus is to set us free. The freedom that has been granted to us is too wonderful and precious for us to be so casual and to ignore it. It is precious. It is more precious than anything you can think of. Let's rise to our feet for the scripture reading. Taken to the Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 to 21. Galatians chapter, sorry, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 21. Apostle Nagya Paul, Galatir Keradina Nirubam, Ainda Dadigaram, Padimundra the Vasna Mudal, Irvati Wondru Muria. Galatir Keradina Nirubam, Ainda Dadigaram, Padimundru Mudal, Irvati Wondru Muria. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is God's word. Kindly be seated. Let's meditate on this passage under three headings. How the flesh works and what the flesh produces and what the gospel offers. How the flesh works, what the flesh produces, and what the gospel offers. How the flesh works. You know, Galatians chapter 5 verse 15 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are 
in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. We all are aware of a battle that goes within us, is it not? We all are aware. You know, we want to do good, but we don't do the good that we want to do. We don't want to get angry, but instead we not only get angry, we make the entire situation worse, is it not? You know, this is a battle that constantly goes within us. Now, why is it that we are not able to do what we want to do? After all, I want to do good. And why is it I'm not able to do this? I'm sure this is, this is our struggle. I'm sure we all are facing this kind of a struggle. And Paul says that there are two natures at work in every one of us. There are two natures. He says the Holy Spirit and the flesh, which he says the spirit and the flesh. That's the Holy Spirit and the flesh. The flesh is our old man. The flesh in the New Testament refers to our sinful nature or our sinful heart. When we come across the word flesh, it basically refers to our sinful nature, our sinful heart. You know, in the Bible, the heart is the control center of our life. You know, our feelings, our emotions, our attitudes and actions, they all spring from the heart. I hope you are convinced with this. You know, when you think about you know, emotions, it is not this body. You know, it produces the emotions. It is the heart. From the heart, everything springs up. Heart is the control center. It is important for us to understand. Why it is important for us to understand? You know, the, the Romans and the Greeks, they always thought the mind is lodged in the soul and the body it produces the emotions. And so what you have to do, you have to beat your body. If you want to do be a good person, you have to beat, deprive your body. You know, that is not the biblical understanding. The biblical understanding is the heart is the seat of our emotions and feelings. You know, the flesh does not refer to our physical nature. You can gouge out your eyes and I can promise you, you can still have lustful thoughts. So let's not follow the Romans and the Greeks. Let's follow the God of the Bible, what the Bible says. When we were saved, the Holy Spirit supernaturally entered into our hearts. If we have been really saved, you know, the Holy Spirit supernaturally entered into our hearts. And the Holy Spirit is not sitting quiet. The Holy Spirit started the renewal work. He started renewing our hearts. And his desire, Holy Spirit's desire, 
is to conform us to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the desire of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is our new man. If you are a saved person, imagine there are two people inside of you. Old man, new man. Both are there inside of you. We can't be led by both the people. Either we can be led by the Holy Spirit or we can be led by the flesh. We can't be led by both the people. It is impossible. Why it is impossible? Either you can carry, you know, fire or water in a, in a glass bottle. You can't carry both. Anyone has any problem? You can either carry water or you can carry fire. Now, why? Because their nature is different. They're in contrary to each other. The nature of fire, nature of wire, the water is different. So you can't carry fire and water in the same glass bottle. Same way, either you can be led by the Holy Spirit or you can be led by the flesh. There is no other way at all. And this is the reason for the inner conflict which all of us experience. Now, you know, why do we struggle? I want to do good, but I am unable to do it. Because there are two natures within us. There is the Holy Spirit and there is the flesh. And there is conflict between each other. And that is the reason we are not able to do so what do we do? So what is the nature of this conflict? You know, it is a battle between the desires. Desires of the Holy Spirit, desires of the flesh. And there is a conflict between this. Paul is using a word, Greek word called epithumia, which is a very interesting word. And Paul is using, you know, it is basically, it is over desires. Excessive desires, which is the cause for this conflict. Have you seen a stubborn child crying for a toy or an ice cream? That's what's happening within us. We may not cry outside, but deep within us we are crying. That is the over desires. The main problem with our heart is not that it desires for bad things. Listen to this carefully. The main problem with our heart is not that it desires for bad things, but it is over desire for good things. Over desire for good things. And that is the problem. When a good thing becomes our God, it creates over desires. You know, it could be just our appearance, it could be our education, it could be our career, it could be our spouse. You can make marriage as an idol. It could be our children, it could be our reputation, 
It could be our image. It could be even my ministry. It's a good thing. You know, you can make it as an idol. And the over-desire. And that is the reason we have conflict. Paul says these excessive desires, they control us. You know, sin creates in us a feeling, I should have this. Like that stubborn child. I want the toy right now, right now. The mother is telling, no, I'll get you this. Not now. Little late. No, right now, right that mother, the child creates, that's the same kind of desires we have. I need to have this. I need to produce this. Otherwise, I am nothing. Paul says over desire for good things, not for bad things. That's the good things which is the cause for the conflict. I have to get this promotion. Otherwise, I'm ruined. I've heard people come and say, Pastor, some more I have to get. I have to get through this. If I don't get through this, oh, I'm lost. You know, you're made your career as your idol, God. In the Old Testament, the word idolatry, it always refers, you know, you drift away from God. Drift from God. You know, you're wandering away from God. Whenever you come across the word idol later in the Old Testament, it refers to just, you have just drifted from God. You have just wandered away from God. In the New Testament, it is the very same concept which is being described by the word desires. It is your over desires for good things that takes away from God. So the idolatry and oh, idolatry in the Old Testament and the over desires, epithumia in the New Testament, they are the same. Now we can ask ourselves, am I worshipping or not? Our heart is an idle manufacturing factory. It has millions of gods. We always try to find fault with others. Our own heart, it produces idols. You know, in 1 John 2.16, for everything in the world, lust of the flesh. When you read the word lust, don't immediately take it in a very, very negative way. Lust is just that craving, that appetite, that excessive desire. So the moment we say, I'm not lustful, you know, that's not what this verse says. The verse talks about your excessive desire. I need to have this. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So the Holy Spirit cannot desire these things. The desires of the Holy Spirit within us are different from what the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life crave for. The whole only desire is to conform us to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must cultivate godly desires. It doesn't happen automatically. 
we must cultivate. For Christian growth, it is essentially captivated by the beauty of Jesus. What he has done for us, we should be captivated. Our imagination should be captivated the beauty of Jesus Christ. Everything, you talk about your profession, you talk about your achievement, you talk about your accomplishment, you talk about your ministry, you talk about miracles, signs, wonders, nothing comes near to the beauty of Jesus. Unless your imaginations are captivated by the beauty of Jesus, you are not, we are not growing in our Christian life. We are to live knowing that we are an absolute beauty in the eyes of God, or no? It's okay, it's okay. We are to live knowing we are an absolute beauty in the eyes of God. Do you, do you consider yourself, you're an absolute beauty in the eyes of God. You're so beautiful. You're infinitely honored and valued by God. How often do you think that you are infinitely valued? If you don't come to this place, then you will say, if I have this only, I have some value. If I have this only, you know, I am a person of worth. Otherwise, no one cares for me. So you're looking for approval, not from God, from the society, from people around you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. What matters is what God says about you. Amen? You are infinitely loved by God. You are infinitely valued by God. You know, unless you come to this realization... Things of the world will keep distracting and attracting you and you will be running after these things. You will say, I want God also, I want this also. It will not work. Either you can carry fire or water in a glass bottle. You cannot carry both. Now what the flesh produces, Galatians chapter 5, Verses 19 to 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. A very interesting, you know, combination he has put. You know, there are 13 things that Paul lists. And if you read it carefully, he has grouped it into three, eight, and two. If you read this, you know, it's very, I'm not getting into detail. The first three things are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. That's one group. You know, sexual immorality is nothing but adultery, I don't have to explain. Impurity and debauchery, it means, you know, excess indulgence involving sex, alcohol, food, and 
drugs our excessive craving for sex our excessive craving for alcohol our excessive craving for food it comes under impurity and debauchery the next two are you know it is related to our religion idolatry and witchcraft what is idolatry an inadequate substitution for god you know it could be your job it could be your appearance it could be your achievements it could be money it could be anything in the place of god so an inadequate substitution of god is idolatry i want this church to change their way of thinking it's not just a statue and a picture the statue and the picture represent something behind it when people go and worship a picture or a god they are think they think about something beyond that picture you know there's a god for money there's a god for education and then they go and worship so they are thinking about those things so we think since we don't have picture so i don't have idolatry we can make education as an idolatry we can make our achievements as idolatry i can make this ministry as an idolatry is it clear so idolatry is nothing but an inadequate representation of god what is witchcraft it is just a counterfeit of the holy spirit the acts of the holy spirit when they counterfeit faking faking god is basically witchcraft we don't have to get into that now my interest is in the next eight words it's the second group of words that's my interest and that's our interest also now we have to realize you know this is the eight the works of the flesh which destroys relationships and we all are concerned about our relationships and we it should be we should be concerned why we are not able to have a healthy uh, relationship now it's important for us to notice that what paul says they are not actions some of them are just attitudes so now first let us look at the destructive attitudes which is telling he is talking about selfish ambition does it need any explanation it's all about me 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 it's all about my life i have to be happy i don't care you better make me happy selfish ambition that's a destructive attitude and the next one is envy i want to have what pastor prem is having i desire i want his tie that's envy it's nice beautiful i wish i had that that's envy desiring others things i want to have their vehicle i want to have a house like theirs that's envy this this is not an action this is just an attitude you know the third one is you have jealousy this is this really gives us a kick you know it really gives us a kick when you're jealous about others you know just 
you, you know, that person is progressing in life. And if you're jealous, it's enough. Whenever you see that person, even if you have not had your breakfast, you get that energy in your body. That is jealousy. Okay. And the fourth one is hatred. Hating. Hostility. An adversarial attitude. You know, I don't want to see that person. You know, in all these are just attitudes. Attitudes. You don't know whether I have all these attitudes. You don't know. No one knows what attitudes you have. But you know whether you have these attitudes or not. Now, when, you, when we have these attitudes, what will be the result? The results are discord. You know, you become argumentative. You know, I want things to be done. My wife comes and I say, why you didn't do this? Because it's all about me, my comfort. So now my wife comes, I argue with her. Don't you know I'm going to come at this time? Don't you know you should be ready? Discord in relationship. Even when there is no reason to pick a fight, I choose to pick a fight. Because of my attitude. Because I want, you know, it's all about my selfish needs. It's not only discord. That leads to fits of rage. I'm angry. What do you think about me? I'm angry. Why you didn't do this? Discord leads to fits of rage. And there is anger. And that comes, leads to dissensions. You know, it are divisions. Divisions between people, division in the family, division in the workplace. It all because of discord leads to fits of rage. Fits of rage leads to dissensions and ultimately factions. I am not your party. I don't belong to your party. I have my own party. All, you know, quite often we try to, you know, try to patch up with the discord. My goodness, why are you arguing? You know, the root cause is not arguments. The root cause is selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, hatred. The problem is not your argumentative. The problem is not that you're angry. You're trying to control your anger. Oh, you bite your tongue. That's all you can do. The problem is here. In the flesh, selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, hatred. You know, you have to work on this. And finally, he's talking about, you know, the two, no, previous. Finally, he's talking about the two things, drunkenness and orgies. You know, it is... It has got to do with pleasure, creating substances and behavior. Okay, this is what he says, what the flesh produces. Now, Paul has a stark warning. He says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It is a stark warning. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you can keep saying, 
Lord, Lord, I did this for you. I did this for you. And Jesus will say, I don't know you. Lord, I did miracles. I prayed and people were healed. Oh, I don't know you. I don't know you. It's a very, very stark warning if you are not careful. If you take this casually, we are not children of God. We cannot enjoy the freedom of God. Now, why is it important? How do we change? Sometimes people say, I want to change, Pastor. I want to change. Yeah, sure, you have to change. Yeah, I get angry. Yes, you get angry. So what do you do? You know, you are only trying to change at your behavioral level. I want to appear such a nice, kind person. I don't want to get angry. You know, I want to change only at my behavioral level. Outside, I should be a holy, holy person. But, you know, you have to change at the motivational level. The motivational level is where you find selfish ambition, envy, jealousy, hatred. You have to, we have to work on the motivational level. It's not, you know, I have to work on my anger. Of course, we have to work on anger. But what produces that anger? What produces that argumentative world, you know, atmosphere at home? What produces that? You have to work on that. If you don't work on that, you will keep coming, you'll keep crying, you'll keep praying. It's not going to solve the problem. What? Because there is an inner struggle between the desires of the flesh and desires of the spirit. If you seek meaning for your life in this world, you will always have struggle. This life cannot give meaning and purpose for your life. This world, this world cannot give meaning and purpose for your life. It may be the area, it may be the realm in which you can fulfill your meaning and purpose, but this world cannot give you meaning and purpose for your life. Let this be very clear. You have been redeemed by God to do his work, to do his purpose. I'm not saying you have to come for full-time ministry. I have never said that. But you have been redeemed for a reason, for a purpose. And that purpose only Jesus can give you. Otherwise, you'll keep struggling with all the idols in our heart. And we can keep saying, I don't worship the idols. Of course, you don't worship the idols. That's what you think. The default mode of heart is to produce idols. That's the default mode. Now, what the gospel offers, Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. You know, gospel freedom is freedom from sin and not freedom to sin. Gospel freedom is freedom from sin and not freedom to sin. The freedom that the gospel offers is extraordinary. As I said, it is awesome. It's breathtaking. It's wonderful. That is the freedom 
that the gospel offers to each one us one of us we are no longer led by the law but we are led by the author of the law is it clear we are no longer led by rules and regulations we are led by the author of the law uh, i think i'll be able to, i'll try to explain this with a simple illustration you know there are generally uh, can i have the first picture there are generally three kinds of dogs okay there may be more kinds but let's assume that there are three kinds of dogs you know some dogs have to be leashed for the sake of their own safety and then for the safety of others and whenever you want to walk these dogs you have to ensure that you know there's that leash because you have to control this dog otherwise it's quite dangerous so though you are take walking these dogs the freedom of the dogs is very limited because it's on the leash and that's what happens to people who think i will earn my salvation by works i will do things so that god will be pleased you know i will i will earn merit by doing little more good work that's the way the law works and there are other kind you know the second type of dogs you know they they are allowed to roam freely they can go wherever they want to go you know they have unlimited freedom but the problem is they have every possibility that the boy on the next street can throw a stone at that dog and can break its leg is it not and there is also every possibility this dog can come under a vehicle you know this is this is what happens when people talk about hyper grace i have unlimited freedom no law no restrictions you know i can do what i want uh, that is the hyper grace people but there is the third kind of dogs you know they are not on a leash but they follow their master faithfully have you seen those dogs they are so sweet they they just follow their master and if you try to distract them if you try to show something they'll just take two three steps but immediately they'll go back have you seen dogs like that if not you just do some walking in the gardens uh, come out of the house once in a while it's good when you go around the walk, garden you walk and see it's good for your health and also good for this observation you know you can distract that god dog to some extent but very soon it will go back you know this is this is the kind of dog you know that has that enjoys its freedom it has all the freedom in the world but it chooses to follow its master come what may i'll follow my master i know my master it's so loyal and faithful you know you show your bone piece it will just try to come but it will go back because it is so close to its master is this your relationship with jesus do you follow jesus like this this is the gospel freedom 
you know, I have all the freedom in the world. But I choose to follow the master. I now I follow all the Ten Commandments. Because I'm closely following the master. I'm following his instructions. I'm listening to his voice. That is the gospel freedom. Have you come to that place? Where are you? Do you know your God like this? Do you love your master like this? Lord, take away everything from me, but not you. Not you. I want you, Lord. Take away everything. My reputation, my achievements, my accomplishment, my ministry, my health, my wealth, my spouse, my children, everything you take away, but not you. Have you come to that place? Have you come to that place? You have absolute freedom. Freedom to live in this world. We can't change merely by changing our thinking. Of course, you have to hear this truth. It has to get inside our mind. Of course, it has to. But just because you know the truth, it doesn't mean it will change you. What has to change is the heart. Heart is the control center of my life and it is your life. In the heart, you know, your desire for this master has to be supreme. Not my spouse, not my ministry, not my children, not my money, not my achievements will come in that place. My desire for this God is so supreme, nothing can take its Unless the desire in your heart changes, just the desire with this wonderful Savior who gave his life to save you, you will never, we can never change. We can never change. We can keep saying, I want to be a good person. I want to not to get angry. I want to be kind. I want to be gentle. We can see that next week. You know, I want to be loving. Fruit of the Spirit. We'll see that next week. You know, I want to have all this, but it will not happen. It happens when you love this God. When your heart learns to love the right things. The always desires something. If you don't give that heart to desire the right thing, it will desire the wrong things. You cannot suppress that heart. You have to give the heart to desire the right thing. And the right thing to desire is our God, our Savior, our Lord, and Jesus. Will you fill your imagination with what Jesus has done for you? It's not enough. I have been saved. I have accepted Jesus as my savior. But do you, will you consider the cost at which you and I have been saved? What Jesus did for you? Is it real? Is it before your eyes? What Jesus did for you? 
you know, the Bible says, roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shed and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. He did it for you and me. Jesus did it for you and me. This is how you and I have received the salvation. His heart was crushed. His body was broken into pieces. You know, it says, all my bones are out of joint. If you have little bone pain, you will know how severe it is. All my bones are out of joint. The pain that he endured, do you realize? Will this capture your imaginations? Will you be captivated by this? And that's what brings about the change in your life. You can keep making resolutions. You can keep doing one thing after the other. But if your imaginations are not captured, captivated by the beauty of Jesus, we will still struggle to live a vibrant Christian life. How often do you visit the cross? You know, people talk about Bharat Jodo Yatra. There was a procession 2,000 years ago down the streets in Jerusalem. And there was a person who carried the cross. He was whipped. He didn't have energy even to carry the cross. He carried it for you. He was mocked. He was beaten. And he did it for you. How often do you join this procession? How often? Not just on a good Friday. Unlearn to worship the crucified Savior. Nothing will change within us. If our heart has to change, you have to get closer to the cross. John Stott said, the cross is the blazing fire at which the flame of our love is kindled but we have to get near enough for its sparks to fall on us. The closer you get to the cross, your hearts will be warmed. You know, when it's a cold day, you always look for a warm place. You get closer to the fireplace to keep yourself warm. How often you go to this fireplace? How often do you go to the cross so that your heart is warm? And, you know, your heart is captivated by the beauty of the cross. How often do you do this? 
That is the freedom. You have gospel freedom. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer?